move now to our message and scripture portion of the service. We've been going through this series on the Old Testament. We've heard from a lot of prophets in the Old Testament hearing the story of God's people. And last Sunday, we took a little bit of a break where Pastor Ty came up here and talked to you about a life of freedom. Something that's really important to remember that this life of freedom is a life lived in accord with God's will for our lives. And that's what the prophets are always trying to call God's people back to. They're calling God's people back to this life of freedom where they live in perfect relationship with God. And this morning, we get to see a little bit about how God's people respond to that message and what God does with that. So let's hear our video for this morning. The last four kings of Judah came from King Josiah's family. His three sons, Jehoahaz, Jehoiakim, and Zedekiah, and his grandson, Jehoiakim, each ruled as the king of Judah for a short time. Jehoahaz was not king for long. He did what was evil, and the king of Egypt came and made Jehoahaz a prisoner. The king stole silver and gold from Jehoahaz. Then he put Jehoahaz's brother, Jehoiakim, on the throne. The king of Egypt took Jehoahaz to Egypt. When Jehoiakim was king of Judah, he too did what was evil. The king of Babylon attacked Jehoiakim, made him a prisoner, and took him to Babylon. The king of Babylon stole some of the things from the Lord's temple and put them in his own temple. When Jehoiakim was taken away, his son Jehoiakim became king of Judah. Jehoiakim was king of Judah for just three months. He too did what was evil. The king of Babylon sent for Jehoiakim and brought him to Babylon. The king of Babylon made Jehoiakim's uncle Zedekiah king of Judah. Like his brothers, Zedekiah did what was evil. He led the people of Judah to do evil things too. The prophet Jeremiah warned Zedekiah that God would punish him, but Zedekiah did not listen. God was angry with the people of Judah. They sinned and did not obey God, but God loved his people. He wanted them to turn back to him. God sent prophets to warn the people, but the people did not listen. Finally, it was time to judge the people of Judah for their sin. God allowed the king of Babylon and his army to attack Judah. Many of the people died. The king of Babylon took everything out of the Lord's temple and carried it back to Babylon. Then the king and his army burned the temple. They tore down the wall around the city and burned the palaces. Anything that they did not take with them was destroyed. All of the people who were still alive were taken back to Babylon. The king forced them to be slaves. Everything the prophet Jeremiah had warned about happened, just like God said it would. God was right to punish his people for their sin, but he kept his promise to provide a king through David's family. Ultimately, God punished our sin through his son, Jesus, and made him our king forever. 
So in our lesson for today, we hear a story that is really, really bad news, right? That, that God sent these people to actually take the people of Israel out of the land. It's bad news. But still, we see God's love through this story. God's love for his people Israel, that he wants to be in relationship with them so that they can live lives of freedom. And so if we look at this story, there are a couple of things that I want to clarify that, that are not going on. Because it's easy to look at this story and think, well, well, how does God let that happen to his own people? It's easy to look at this story and think, uh, like the people of Israel did, some of them thought, well, maybe God just didn't have the firepower to take on the people of Babylon. Babylon was a powerful nation, the most powerful empire the world had ever seen. Well, what if, what if God just, he had a bad day and Babylon took him by surprise and took over God's people? But we read in the scriptures that that, that can't be the case. In 2 Chronicles 36, it shows us that God is the one who's orchestrating all of this. He's in control the entire time. So then how? How does he let this happen if he's orchestrating the entire time? And as human beings, sometimes we can sympathize with the idea that maybe God's just angry and let his anger kind of get out of control and, and it let his wrath burn out of control against his people. Yep. So I'm a youth minister, which means I love kids. I love high schoolers. I love middle schoolers. But I also really love dodgeball. Because of all of those times that those high schoolers and middle schoolers are a little out of line, it's really nice to be able to grab the ball and, and just just make them suffer a, a tiny little bit, right? And sometimes we could look at this story and think, well, maybe that's what God's doing here. He, he just wants to see his people suffer a little bit because of, uh, because of how much they've offended him. But throughout the scriptures, we see a bigger picture of God who calls himself the God of Israel. He calls them his people. He says, I am your father, and Israel is like my firstborn son. And parents, I think you can sympathize with this a little bit. You don't like seeing your children suffer. No matter what it is, you don't like seeing your children suffer. And kids, I want you to understand that your parents actually don't enjoy disciplining you as much as it might seem like it. They don't enjoy disciplining you. But you discipline your children because you love them. Maybe, maybe your son or daughter, the older one, wants to watch television with their, with their younger sibling. And so you say, okay, you can, you can go watch your favorite show as long as you're nice to each other. And, and you walk away and you're doing your thing and you look back in there and see the older sibling snatching the remote out of the under, younger sibling's hand and pushing them down. You don't want to be the guy that goes in there, turns the TV off, listens to all of the crying. But you do it because you love your children. And you want to see them grow. God, in our story for this morning, is disciplining his children. 
We see him trying to discipline his children, trying to take things away from them so that they would turn back to him. Because when the people of Israel are comfortable, they really have no need for the God of Israel. They're living in the land. They're living together with their family. They're living with with their toys, with their Teslas and their retirement funds. Everything that they want is right there for them. And so God starts to take things away. He starts to send his prophets. He tries to teach them a lesson. And so that's the story we've heard when the king of Egypt comes in and takes the king of Israel, puts him in prison, and he puts a heavy tax on the people. The people might still have their homes and their retirement funds, but they lose a couple of their toys because they're taxed so heavily. And they still don't turn to God. They still don't turn to the God of Israel. And so God sends the king of Babylon to take away their next king and and to even take more of their stuff from them. So the people of Israel are left in their land with their families without some of the security that they had. But they still have their homes and they still have their families and they don't turn back to God. This is the message of the exile. It's a message of God trying to discipline his people and coming to realize that no matter what he does, they will not turn back to him. Second Chronicles chapter 36 has this to say. The Lord, the God of their fathers, sent persistently to them by his messengers, the prophets, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they kept mocking the messengers of God despising his words and scoffing at his promise, at at his prophets, until the wrath of the Lord rose against the people until there was no remedy. And both of those things come together. Both of those untils come at the same time. There is no remedy for the sin of the people except that God would throw them out of the land, except that the wrath of the Lord would come against them. And so that's what he does. He takes them away from their homes. The people of Babylon destroy the homes of the people of Israel. They even separate families. So they are off on their own, alone, working for people who don't really care about them in a foreign land with no home, with no security. And there in Babylon... They're there for 70 years living like that. But there in Babylon, the people live a more fulfilled life than they ever lived in their homes in Israel. Because even though everything is taken from them, now they are living with the Lord and the Lord is with them. They're living that life of freedom in accord with God's word. They're living according to God's will even in Babylon, even in exile, and they finally turn back to God. You see, we see God's love in his discipline for his children and that God doesn't just destroy the houses of his people, but he even destroys his own house. As he sends his people into exile, he destroys the temple. 
his own house because he has no use for it. He doesn't want to live there as long as his people aren't there. So he destroys his house so that he can be with his people. God loves you so much that he wants to be with you. Just like God loves the people of Israel so much he wanted to be with them. And this wouldn't be the last time that God would destroy his house. He did it in the Old Testament, but God would come in the New Testament with a different kind of house, a house that would last for eternity. And that house was Jesus. As Jesus was born as a human being with all of God stuffed inside of human flesh, Jesus was the house of God. And God loves his people so much that even though their sin is so great, even though there is no human earthly remedy for our sin, God loves his people so much that he destroys his house. He destroys Jesus on the cross so that he can be with you forever. So that he can live with his people. And when God destroys his house, it makes possible things that we do here. As we celebrate the Lord's Supper today, where Jesus dwells with us in the body and blood, God destroys his own house to be with his people. So that when we look back at this story, or even when we look forward at the hardships in our own life, when things don't go our way, we can see these things hurricanes, exile, sickness, everything as the wrath of God, but not the wrath of God where God is acting vengefully, where God is is punishing sin because God punishes sin on the cross. But this wrath of God is discipline, like a father disciplining their children so that that God would turn the hearts of his people back to him. Now I want to be clear and make sure you don't hear something that I'm not saying. I'm not saying that every time that something bad happens in our life, it's a direct result of our sin in one way or another. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that when we face hardships of all different kinds in our life, when God takes things away from us, it's an opportunity for us to turn back to God. Sometimes to recognize how the thing that God took away might have actually stood in the way of our relationship with him. I think Pastor Roberts, as he stood up here and shared about his journey through cancer, I think we can't understand God unless we understand how he works through hardship. As Pastor Roberts a few months ago stood up here and shared about his journey through cancer, he shared about how this was a blessing from God. How he saw so many blessings even in the hardship. You see, the exile for the people of Israel was a blessing. Because it was a blessing where God showed his love for his people and that he destroyed his own house to be with his people. And your hardships, as much as they don't feel like blessings and as much as they make you want to cry out to God, and it's good 
to cry out to God. But all of those hardships are actually God's wrath being a blessing to you. God is blessing us because we know his love for us and that we saw him destroy his own house on the cross to be with his people. God's love for you is too great to let his anger get out of control. But God's love for you is always turning you closer to him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for showing your love even through the hardships we face. We ask that you would turn our hearts toward you in every hardship, that we would always count ourselves blessed, that even though you take everything from us, you will always be with us. Great physician, we ask you to bring healing to the sick and hurting and give wisdom and gentleness to those who care for them. Resurrected Lord, bring your comfort and peace to those who are grieving loss this day and comfort them in the promise of the resurrection. Father, today we celebrate LWML Sunday. And we thank you for the LWML, a wonderful part of ministry that works in so many ways to glorify you. And we ask blessings on their ministry this morning. Lord, in our state and across our nation, there is so much loss from Hurricane Ian. Raise up your church to respond with mercy and thanksgiving toward those who now need our help. And through this disaster, turn all our hearts toward you. We thank you for the blessing of our military, police, firefighters, and emergency medical personnel who keep us safe. And we ask your blessing on them and your blessing on all of those in authority over us, that you would give them wisdom and hearts of compassion so that they might do so, so that they might govern to your glory. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.